Hi, I'm Tracy Brigden. I'm the writer and director of Newfield. Hi, I'm Mike Delgadio. I'm one of the voice actors and producers of Newfield. So, Mike, let's talk about Roaring Box. Yeah, let's talk about Roaring Box. So, Roaring Box is a new company that you and I have created as working partners trying to create new podcasts. Oh, that's what we are, working partners. Aren't we? (laughs) We're not partners. We are, but also... Spouses. (laughs) Life committed people. Okay, let's get past this part. (laughs) The idea here is we've got lots of stories in our head. New storytelling is something that we're both interested in, so we thought we'd uh, throw our hat in the ring, so to speak. I've mostly been a theater person for a very, very long time. I'm a theater director by trade, and I have concentrated most of my career on directing and producing and developing new plays for the American theater. And so storytelling has always been part of my gig and working with writers and working with all the artists in the theater to create new plays. And a few years ago, I got the bug to give myself a chance to discover my own voice. And so I went back to grad school and got an MFA in playwriting and screenwriting and started writing. So my my angle is from a theatrical point of view and a storytelling point of view and a writing and working with actors point of view. And your angle... So my angle is from the opposite side. So whereas yours is about creating new stories, mine is I'm often the end of the process where... Stories are given to me to try and portray as an actor. Interpret, exactly. And also, I like the the technical aspect of creating audio as a voice actor, as someone who's responsible for doing a lot of my own direction, production, mixing, mastering, all of this stuff towards making a final product. But I've never been part of the origination of stories. That's not where my forte is. So I thought between the two of us, we actually have something, mm-hmm. the whole soup to nuts kind yeah. of process you're, you're, there. You're a tech nerd. You're I'm, a nerd. I'm geekier, that's yeah, for sure. I'm not geeky at all that way. <laughs> um, and so you handle that end of it. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little bit more about obsessing over, you know, an actor's interpretation of a line or you didn't say all my words correctly right, right. or what is this exact sound of a Katie did? Mm-hmm. Um, so Roaring Box, what do we expect to do with Roaring Box? So I think uh, Roaring Box, this this is our first forte into it. and It's not a forte. It's not a forte. It's not a vortex either. It's not a vortex. Or a forte. Our forte is making audio foray. stories. Foray is the word I yes, was looking for. correct. Uh, this is our first foray into producing our own productions that are going out. So with our first production, we wanted to take a baby step in. And come up with the episodes, but also learn about how to get a podcast put out, how to end up on all the platforms, how to coordinate all of the technical stuff that goes along with creating a production before we even think about monetizing, right? We're not monetizing this episode, the story at all, but we wanted to to understand the whole process. One, to make sure that we had the technical facility to do those, to do these things, but also that it was something that seemed worthwhile to us. And it was more than just, oh, here's a here's a play and here's a recording of that play. Lots of different things get coordinated along the way. We had a composer, we had a sound designer, we corralled a number of really excellent actors and, you know, to come and try and emote these words and then try and come up with a, a holistic version so that the, the end product 
meets certain quality standards. We want it to sound good. We want the story to be interesting. But we also knew that on our, on our first effort, we weren't necessarily ready to do world building or whole seasons worth of worth of uh, effort. And we didn't know if it was going to go out. But since we were happy with the the two episodes, we thought we'd put it out and, and see what people thought. Yeah, I mean, I started writing New Field because we live in a town that has an amazing old graveyard that I kind of really adore. I love walking through that graveyard because it has stones going back to the 17th century. You know, we live in New England, and so there's a lot of people that are actually buried in our graveyard who had major roles in the founding of this area and in the Revolutionary War. And of course, there are really mysterious graves because a lot of people back then died at early ages. Sometimes it says, you know, of childbirth. Sometimes it says of drowning. And the carvings on the gravestones are also fascinating to me because they they went through a lot of different iterations as the years went on. But the ones from around the Revolutionary War are particularly haunting because they're mostly of skulls with wings. And I, th- I can't remember. I think the photo we have is the one there was one grave that was from that era and it was a skull with wings, and I think probably had a little bit of bird poop on it. And, but the bird poop was making one of the <laughs> eyes of the skull have a drip like a, a tear. tear, and it looked that, like that might be the photo that we used. That the gravestone was weeping, mm. and that just kind of struck me as so mm-hmm. spooky. So I started wanting to write something around this graveyard and the stories of what might have occurred to the people who are buried there, and Newfield kind of emerged from that. It's a contemporary story in terms of most of it is set now. The protagonist is a a high school senior who's recently moved to this little tiny New England town and falls in with the popular crowd and discovers she has a very, very long history with the town going back many, many generations. And uh, her, her connection to the town from that period of the 17th century brings us back in time to what really happened when her ancestors were walking the same the same path. And so that's where the the piece came from and and once I had written it we thought let's just try to record it. And of course between Mike's connections with the podcasts that he reads on like the No Sleep podcast and my connections with the theater world, we did assemble a pretty astonishing cast as well as a composer and sound designer, um, both of whom I'd worked with on plays. So it was exciting to put all these artists together in one place and get to hear my words be realized so fully. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about your your lead actor, actress? Sure. I mean, it, it's kind of incredible that she said yes, because <laughs> she's a, 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 a very accomplished stage actress her name's Kate Baldwin. I know her from working with her on um, some theater things. And Mike knows her husband, who is also in Newfield, Graham Rowett, um, because he's he also reads on No Sleep Podcast. And Kate is, you know, one of the most sought after musical theater actors uh, it, working on Broadway right now. So, And yet we gave her no words to sing. <laughs> no, there's no singing. I wish, next one I'll have to write a musical number for Kate. Um, and so we're really lucky to have her. And then, you know, a cast from a lot of whom are on the No Sleep podcast yeah. who are so facile at 
about 13. Right. Since it was a ghost story, I thought it would be, uh, I thought it would make sense to go to some of my colleagues who are part of the, the No Sleep players. We have Aaron Lillis and Mary Murphy and Erica Sanderson, all three really just excellent actors. And they really brought it to life with very little direction. One of the things that happens as a player in an audio drama for people who don't know how this process works is many times the actors never hear what the other actor is saying. We have to guess, we have to interpret what we think the response will be from the other actor. And so that was the case. That was part of the, how we produced this is these actors all worked very asynchronously from each other. They all read and interpreted that script. And I, it, when you listen to the end result, it sounds incredibly natural that it really sounds like these folks are talking to each I mean, other. Kate and Graham were in the same place. So they got they to act in, the in their place. scenes together. And this was really anathema to me from working in the theater because, of course, theater acting, all acting is really like listen and respond. Mm -hmm. And these people aren't listening and responding. They're just responding to the line in their head. And hopefully they're correct. And most of the time they were. Yeah. And you think about it, the, even Erica's part, you know, part, the, the two colonial women who are who are gossiping. Mm -hmm. She's both. Yeah. She's actually having the conversation with herself. It's two right. different people, with two different accents from two different places. Right. Really uh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, what surprised you during this process? It was more complex than I expected it to be. There was a lot more moving parts. As someone who's really been an actor on, a, you know, a number of stories, I normally say my lines and I turn it in and then somehow magically some sometime later a production gets created. But, you know, really the, the editing, bringing in a composer and a sound designer and creating the Foley and creating all of the sound design to create realism around around the scenes, a lot more uh, complicated than I expected. I think I was surprised in terms of sound design that I, I mean, I know this from directing theater, but it's so much times 10 more so in an audio drama that the sound that's under the words has such a huge effect on how you hear the words, how you interpret the words, how you kind of direct the audience toward their the feeling they should have when they're listening to it or their anticipation of something scary happening. And then because we're not seeing it, there's so much that the sound design does that helps you direct the audience in the movie they're making in their head of like, for instance, in this, because they're outdoors in the graveyard a lot, there's a lot of walking and crunching leaves. And I realized how I had a movie in my head imagining what the characters were doing in terms of walking around or standing still. And the crunching leaves helped direct that. And so the sound is really another character or more to how the audience imagines the story in their head. As it's one listen. of the things I really love about audio drama itself is all of this Foley, all of this sound effect, all of this design really does create sets for us to where you as the author, we as the producers are trying to put the listener into a, a specific place. But what's really different between this and television or movies, visual medium is what I see in my head is not what you see in your head. We're all having a slightly different experience of the of the play itself. We hope that the that the Foley and sound design puts us all in a somewhat common frame of mind and an emotional state. But what I see as the graveyard in my head is not what you see as the graveyard in your head. But we hope that that graveyard works in in any case. It's really interesting. I think it makes it more vivid 
in many cases because we're inventing those set pieces mm-hmm. in our heads. One of the things I really like yeah, about audio. You know, uh, I love the theater because there's a certain degree of that that happens because a lot of times, especially in, in theater where you don't have a naturalistic set, there's just sort of an indication of a, of a world. So you're having to imagine you know, what the world is, this is takes it even a step further because you don't even have lighting or the actors in costumes and things like that. I read something about how this is one of the most, if not the most sort of personal and intimate kind of storytelling, because especially I think when you listen to it on headphones, the play is going on literally inside your head, like it's in you. And so it becomes extremely personal and intimate. Yeah. The screen is really on the back of your forehead, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's where it's all projected. So I I really like that about this medium. Um, Should we talk about what else we're doing next after this all happens, after Newfield launches? Sure. Sure. Where would you like to start? (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i guess it's all on me because i'm the writer so i'm writing something um and mike is going to produce it if i ever get it written (laughs) i mean i think for us you know predicated on the the hope people will enjoy it as our as our first effort we certainly have more stories in mind we have more productions in mind and that's i think the approach that has resonated with us so far is individual stories that have a conclusion more mini series than world building where we want to have a season that has a, a real conclusion, a real ending, and then we move on to another story rather than creating huge worlds uh, that go on for hundreds of episodes. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not the kind of story that we're interested in telling at this time. Yeah. I mean, the next thing I'm working on, I'm not going to tell too much because it's <laughs> so in the process right now, um, getting out of my brain onto the page, but it's about kind of a, a missing person slash murder mystery kind of detective story set in the Everglades in Florida. And it's based on a real missing person case that happened in a tiny, tiny town in the outback in Australia. I transferred the idea of the story um, to the Everglades into a town where the circus, where the Ringling Brothers um, used to winter. And um, the hard part is the real story of the, the Australian story that it's loosely based on they never found the missing man. Um, the case is wholly unsolved. Mm. And so I don't even have the real thing to look to, <laughs> to how it ends. So I'm really um, messing around with all the different options of the way it could go, right. um, where this man, Scutch, has gone to. Well, I'm, I'm eager to hear the ending myself. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> there's lots of stories that we have on mind, and eventually we'll probably hit upon something that becomes a longer series. But for now, we're just going to keep doing this piece. This Everglades piece will probably be six to eight episodes. Right. right so right. so that's what we're up to. But what we, I'm really eager to hear how people react to Newfield. I'm, uh, I'm so I've you know, this is my first podcast I've written. Right. I'm so interested. So can people can we encourage people to reach out to us? Sure. We're putting out something that we're happy with, that we're proud of, but we'd like to know what people think. So you could certainly uh, give us feedback privately at info at roaringbox.com. You can find us on all the social medias. So we're at roaringbox on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, We're on Facebook. You can find us at roaringbox. Certainly leave reviews on uh, any of the platforms where you um, consume your podcasts. We're certainly interested in the feedback to know what we did right and what we did wrong. And obviously also, if you really love it, Share it with your people. Tell a friend. <laughs> Tell a friend. And I know it's it's two episodes. We want we, the goal here was to make a movie. 
to make a, a two episode movie. And uh, I think uh, I think we did that. I, I'm I'm happy with how it came out. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tracy. Thanks for. Uh, oh, thank you, Mike. Thank, thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and we'll talk again soon. See you later. Take care.